Hello, and on today's show, Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup are back. Spidey swings into the Civil War trailer. The most interesting man in the world, rest in peace. And Colgate University is now accepting transfers from Crest Community College. <laughs> Your emails and more on episode 15 of the Geek 30 Happy Hour. Welcome back to another episode of the Geek 30 Happy Hour, where we drink a toast to all the geeky things we're passionate about. Today is March 13th, 2016. My name is Alex, and that's Jojo on the other side of Skype. Hello! How are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm very good. So, um, before we introduce today's guest, I want to remind our friends listening to go on to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, where else are we? Satchel, a lot of different places. Go give us a five-star rating. Um, we've been getting love us. Oh yeah. No, because we love you. Um, and, uh, we appreciate that because it allows folks to find us. Um, we've been getting more and more five-star ratings. Let's keep it up. Let's keep broadening, uh, the, the listenership broadening. Is that the right term, Jojo? I, I, I want to say yes. Yeah. Why not? Um, so, and, and let's take a second to introduce today's guest. This is why we are on Skype, because he's on sort of the other side of the world, on the other side of the lake that is the Atlantic Ocean. Hello, Eric Morales. Hello, gentlemen. Alex and Jojo, howdy. Howdy. So, tell the, the world a little bit about you. Sure. So, hey, everybody. I'm Eric Morales. Uh, I run our games industry business for Amazon Web Services, and I'm sitting here in Stockholm, Sweden. Looking after the Nordics. Oh wow! I, I love that. That's so, crazy. so Eric, you originally hail from this DC area. Um, we used to work together, and um, and I loved working with this guy. He's hilarious and uh, just lots of fun to be around. Um, Jojo and I worked at the same company, but uh, I think I don't think you guys overlapped, did you? You guys didn't know each other, did you? I don't. Think uh, so. I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. No. All right. Well, as you guys can see, it breeds a lot of awesome uh, people out of this company. So, uh, so Eric, uh, we're going to get into a little bit about um, your uh, love of video games and such. Um, but but give the the folks at home, I guess, a little bit more um, about you. Some of the things that you love: video games or TV shows or something like that. Sure. So uh, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a fairly conventional and stereotypical geek, I would say. Um, from a, a video game perspective, um, uh, you know, an, an equal opportunity um, uh, lover of games. Um, I, I sit on just about every console you can imagine at this point. Um, I, I, I've even got a TurboGrafx-16 uh, nice. underneath my TV right now, although the RF switch broke, so I need oh, to... No. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is actually awesome. a bit of a nightmare to replace. Uh, but is it? Um, we'll get there. Well, we got Eastarland over here. If you need me to send you something, let me know. There you go. <laughs> nice. But yeah, you know, I, I've I've been into into games for a super long time. Um, it, you know, was was living in kind of a retro world for uh, an especially long time. Um, within kind of the retro space, uh, my my core expertise is Neo Geo. I was a giant Neo Geo head. And uh, for the Neo Geo fans out there who might be listening, um, I had a two slot gold cab, uh, NVS system 
those guys will know what the hell I'm talking about. I promise. <laughs> um, Excuse me, to, clean up on aisle two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, a, a huge video game fan, and uh, and and I feel super lucky to be working in this space today in kind of one of the major game development hubs uh, in the world. You know, we're super lucky that out here in the Nordics, which uh, for those that might not be aware, the Nordics is. is comprised generally of uh, Denmark, um, Sweden, Norway, and Finland. Uh, and in our case, we also include Iceland. Um, and uh, we are, you know, the Nordics is a hub of game development uh, globally. Um, we have really fantastic AAA developers like uh, DICE and Mojang uh, sitting here in Sweden. So DICE oh, I didn't, know Di- I didn't know DICE was out there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, DICE is a Swedish company. Cool. Uh, they were acquired by EA uh, yeah. a little over a decade ago. And um, they've got an incredibly talented team out here building things like Star Wars Battlefront and uh, the Battlefield series, which is how they made their name. Uh, Mojang, uh, you know, the guys who created Minecraft, uh, yeah. just uh, 15 minutes away out here in Stockholm. Out in Finland, you've got folks like Supercell, uh, who make the Clash of Clans series and the new Clash Royale that just came out. Uh, you know, over in, in Iceland, uh, you have CCP Games, which makes, uh, you know, EVE Online and EVE Valkyrie, which is coming out on Oculus at the end of the month. Uh, so lots of goodness out here in the Nordics and super lucky to be working with folks like that. That's so, so uh, cool. Ikea out there. So that's the original Minecraft, right? <laughs> <laughs> Build whatever you want, however you want to. There you go. Exactly. There you go. All right, cool. Well, um, it's awesome to have you on the show, man. Uh, we've got a plethora of beers today uh so let's talk about what we're drinking oh hello geek study it's beer time today's beer is brought to you by long distance relationships oh that, that's Aww. like that's like us eric that's, that's kind of like us <laughs> got, got a little pond in between us and it's yeah. kind of sad that's like us you see skype helps uh keep the world connected I love um, the technology behind this, you know, bringing us together like we're next door. Yeah, it's cool. You guys are coming in great. Um, so uh, thank you, Skype, for, for making that happen. So getting into uh, what we're drinking today, Eric uh, has actually a little story to tell about the beer um, that we're drinking. So before we talk about what we're uh, specifically drinking, each of us, because each of us has something different um, in front of us. Uh, Eric, would you like to tell a little story? Of course. So... Uh my wife and I moved to Stockholm um, in August of last year. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, prior uh, to, to moving out here, we lived in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, specifically, we lived in the most obnoxious part of Brooklyn, which is Williamsburg. <laughs> and uh, our apartment was about five blocks from Brooklyn Brewery proper, right? So kind of their home base in Williamsburg. Can I just ask so, what makes Williamsburg the most obnoxious part? That made me laugh. What, what, what about that makes it obnoxious? Have you been to Williamsburg, Brooklyn? No, I don't think I have. <laughs> I guess that's why I don't know. There you go. No, I, you know, listen, I loved Williamsburg. I, I lived there, uh, but uh, it's, you know, it, it was kind of known for being uh, kind of a stereotypically gritty, uh, you know, um, uh, well-lived-in part of Brooklyn for, uh, for a long time, you know, 10 okay. to 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, people were still dropping bodies off there, and that's where the show <laughs> Girls is based. Oh, uh, so, okay. All right. Yeah. But now there's a Whole Foods, there's an Apple store, uh, you know, it, it's oh. cross threshold. It's got right? a, it's got a Whole Foods. If if we learned anything from South Park this latest season of South Park that Whole Foods makes everything better. So. That's a great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. 
Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So I lived in, in Williamsburg, and uh, and that's where uh, you know kind of some some big thought leaders in the, the hipster world, like Brooklyn Brewery and uh, like Vice, for example, are based in Williamsburg. Um, and so my wife and I and, and our friends in the city would always go to Brooklyn Brewery. Um, they have uh, you know not only do they have like a fun tour you can go on, but um, they just have a, a really really great place to try their beer, uh, and you know it's inexpensive too, like five bucks a beer, which is great. Um, anyway, we'd go there pretty frequently. And so when we were uh, considering moving out to Stockholm, we came to the city to visit and we're kind of walking around the city, just taking everything in. Uh, and we decided to, to walk into a pub that we ran into in the Southern part of the city here in Stockholm called uh, Sudamal. Hmm. Uh, we walk into the pub and we see that right there on tap, they have Brooklyn lager, which you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it depends on where your listeners are from, but Brooklyn Lager is so hard to find in a lot of parts of the U.S. Right. So, us walking into this bar a, a couple thousand miles away from from where we're from, we thought, "Oh my gosh, this is crazy!" So, we each order a pint and um, and you know, take in the uh, the, the random you know, uh, absurdity of finding our, our local brew uh, in a different country. Uh, and then later on that evening, we go to a restaurant and that restaurant also has Brooklyn lager. Uh, <laughs> Seriously? Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Uh, and then kind of the next day we meet up with some, you know, soon to be coworkers of mine and we discover that that bar also has Brooklyn lager on tap. And then we quickly realize, especially after we moved here, that every restaurant, every bar in Stockholm, has Brooklyn Lager or any of the assorted Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Brewery brews uh, on, available in bottles or, or on tap. Uh, and I later learned that um, this is the second largest market uh, outside of New York City for the Brooklyn Brewery. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. It's, it's crazy. And so as a result, uh, their kind of uh, lead uh, brewmaster, Garrett Oliver, um, uh, partnered with... Uh, you know, the, the Carlsberg uh, Beer Company, which is actually a Danish company, but they, they decide they're the distributor for Brooklyn uh, Brewery beers in the Nordics. Uh, and they created a brand new sister brewery, a part of Brooklyn Brewery called uh, the New Carnegie Brewery. And uh, the Swedish name for that is the Nia uh, Carnegie Brigeriet. Uh, and I'm butchering that, Whoa. so apologies to your Swedish listeners, but you do better <laughs> than I am. Yeah, that, it's a long friggin' name. <laughs> it is. It's more like it just jammed all of the words together in a single word. They really it's like did. It's, it's all vowels. There's no, there's no actual like consonants in that. Exactly. And you know the, the the this local brewery, New Carnegie, it's named after um, a another gentleman whose last name was Carnegie, um, which was a historically uh, a very old brewery uh, here in Sweden. Uh, and, you know, there are, there are buildings named after this guy here. And so they awesome. decided to name the brewery after him. And uh, the, the, the beer that they serve here is in the, kind of the Brooklyn brewery tradition. However, it's using Swedish ingredients. There's a Swedish brewmaster here named uh, Anders Wendler, um, who kind of looks after things locally. And, uh, you know, they've, they've made some really fantastic beers. So That's so cool. And uh, so in the fashion of kind of connecting the two uh, parts of the world that we that we are currently living in, um, and this new Carnegie Brewery doesn't have their beer over here stateside yet. Um, Jojo and I picked up some beers from uh, from Total Wine and more uh, from uh, we from Brooklyn Brewery, and we each had something a little bit different. Eric, because he is over in that part of the world, is drinking uh, New Carnegie. Uh, Eric, can you share what you are specifically drinking? 
Absolutely. I'm drinking the uh, new Carnegie Keller beer. Uh, and, and the Keller beer, it's in, uh, you know, to, to use their, um, you know, their description of the back of the bottle is an unfiltered bottom fermented lager. Okay. Um, it's hoppier than most lagers um, and it's delicious. That's awesome. So are, are, is that the only beer you're drinking? Because Judge and I have a couple of them that we're trying. Uh, I also have uh, their, their uh, uh, session IPA called Jack. Nice. A.C.K. And it's also delicious. That's really cool. Yeah, I can't wait for that stuff to come stateside. I want to try it. So uh, what I've got over here is uh, the Brooklyn Pilsner and the Brooklyn Lager, which Eric mentioned before. And the hoppiness is definitely a trait that um, even it, it, it comes over here to their Pilsner and their Lager both. I mean, they're they're both they're hoppier than your typical Pilsner and Lager, um, but it's not too much of a bite. Like I said, I'm pretty uh, sensitive to sort of that bite, um, and I, I don't like uh, too much hops in my in my beer. Uh, but this is great. Uh, it's a great balance. It's it kind of catches you off guard at first, but then you kind of embrace it. Um, Pilsner is definitely lighter. The lager I like a lot more than the Pilsner. Not that there's anything wrong with the Pilsner. Uh, the lager just because it's a it's a darker beer. That's that tends to be what I go for most of the time. Um, Jojo, what are you drinking over there? So right now I am in my left hand. I've got the Brooklyn Insulated Dark Lager, which is a seasonal for them. And this thing is fantastic. It is definitely bitier. They, they've put in some hops in here to give it more of that initial bite. But it's also got this like hints of ro- roasted coffee in it. Um, and it's very smooth. It, it's weird to say that something nice. has a bite and that's also smooth, but it, it runs down very, very well. I also have something that I'm teasing Alex about because Brooklyn puts out a brown ale. And we, <laughs> we went to two different total wines. So I'm typical Puerto Rican. I was running late. And so instead of going to the uh, Chantilly version that we always go to, I went to the Ashburn one nearest me. And so I had a couple different selections over there. Um, and I picked that up. I haven't opened it yet. I figured I'd, I'd enjoy this uh, insulated dark lager first, and then I'll try the, uh, the brown ale as it comes up. Yeah, the great thing about going to Total Wine is that they just have shelves where you can make your own six packs. So I just grabbed three of the Pilsners and three of the Lagers um, to kind of drink throughout the week. And uh, I didn't see any of those brown ales. Otherwise, I would have definitely gotten those because as most people who listen to the show know, my favorite thing in the world is Newcastle brown ale. So Um, before we edit and even post this uh this uh, podcast today, I'm going to be driving down to Centerville to drop off one or two bottles of this brown ale <laughs> to make sure Alex can get a try of this brown ale. Like it, it's like uh, you know Deanna's number one, and then you know Newcastle and Star Wars tie for number two. But Deanna, you're still more you're still more important than Newcastle and Star Wars. All right, just well, making sure get, she knows. Did she get into the, the coffee stout from um, Stoughton's? Like yeah, beard. yeah, yeah. So, so she's starting to embrace it. it, and she's starting to embrace some of the dark. Little by little. I don't know. Um, how about you, Eric? Is Leslie into any of the any of the of the darker beers? Yeah, you know, from her perspective, uh, anything that doesn't um, like singe her tongue with hops is a winner. <laughs> there you go. So, in, in the case of uh, you know of, of beers like New Carnegie or or even you know the the classic Brooklyn Lager, we're all fans. Good, good. We're, we're going to get our, our ladies there one step at a time, one brewery at a time. Uh, we're going to enjoy this beer and uh, get into some geeky talk. So uh, let's talk about what's going on in the news. Geek 30 News. The Powerpuff Girls are back. Who the remembers Powerpuff the, Girls. Who remembers the Powerpuff Girls? I do, definitely. 
I do as well. Yeah, that's that's kind of a fond memory from childhood. I still remember when they first got um, introduced on uh, Space Coast Coast to Coast back on uh, was it Cartoon Network? Oh man, I forgot about that. that was, yeah, Adult, yeah. Adult that Swim. Like, that was like pre, yeah, that was pre Adult Swim. Yeah, so yeah. They, they introduced Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Bravo. Um, there was another one that they introduced. I think it wasn't Dexter's Lab. There was something else so, that they introduced. no, it was it was Dexter's Lab and Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, I, Courage is one I, I remember, but they they. They did three. No, maybe it wasn't because they did three and Powerpuff Girls ultimately won and became the series. And people love Johnny Bravo so much that they made it anyways. Yeah, that sounds about right. And you know what? It was actually Adult Swim because that was back when the Adult Swim breaks. Remember, like you would see like the old people jumping in the pool. Remember right. that? <laughs> yeah. So it, it was like prior to the snarky, um, you know, black background with the white text with you know little snarky messages here and there and little sarcastic right. messages this was like truly it was themed adult swim it was um a lot more organic back then it was a lot more embracing before it became sort of um i don't know corporate <laughs> yeah for lack of a better word yeah no that's that that's true so i i read this article they're rebooting it um on cartoon network and, uh, you know, this this kind of following the same sort of themes that we've been seeing uh, for the past year or so with old cartoons coming back. And uh, uh, let me see. Oh, God, my enter- I'm on Entertainment Weekly site and their audio just went crazy in my ears. Um, but <laughs> I had to hit pause on that, too. Yeah. So I've got this uh, article here and they've um, yeah, they, they, they kind of talk a little bit about it. And, and I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, Eric, what's your thought on, on rebooting all of these old, uh, cartoons? You know, I, I'm generally a fan. I know that kind of puts me in the, the aggressive minority because people tend to hold their, their childhood love of cartoons and, and reverence. But, um, I gotta say, I, I kind of appreciate it. Uh, sometimes, yep. uh, it's, it's like a, it's a really big win. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, more often than not, unfortunately, it can kind of go south. But I, I remember even a few years ago, not so completely off topic, but they rebooted He-Man, which was like, I, you know, I'm a little bit older than you guys. I'm 32. So He-Man was like very much part of my childhood. Uh, and there's a whole way. Do you remember He-Man? I do remember He-Man. I was in Germany when I watched He-Man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how ridiculous that was. I mean, they yeah. rebooted that for a while and it wasn't that terrible. Right. And they've rebooted like G.I. Joe. God knows how many times at this point. Yeah. So in general, you know, I, I got to say I'm I'm a fan uh, and I feel like um, if, if done in, in the right way with the right writing team and the right creative team behind it, uh, they can they can leverage the nostalgia uh, in a way that's positive for the old people who want to come back and watch it and hopefully make it something fresh and new for the, the newbies. Yeah, totally. And and, you know, I've actually I'm good with it i I like seeing um some of these older uh franchises come back if they do it right i i love to embrace it um if they don't do it right just stop watching like i'm Um, I'm excited for the continuation of uh samurai jack that'll be exciting for me that'll be really cool um but this is an article from entertainment weekly uh that was sent over and uh it says um Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup are ready to save the day starting in April. Cartoon Network's revamped The Powerpuff Girls will debut on Monday, April 4th at 6 p.m., a time slot uh, early enough to allow the trio to fight off bad guys before bedtime. The animated favorite about the uh, three wide-eyed superhero sisters protecting their home from, of uh, what is it, Townsville. There it is. Remember Townsville? I do uh, all this Townsville. is coming back. Um, <laughs> protecting their home of Townsville against 
uh, villains of all shapes and sizes while also having to juggle schoolwork and normal life will air back to back episodes followed by two weeks of new adventures through April 15th each weeknight. Afterwards, the season continues every Thursday at 6 p.m. starting April 21st. So that's kind of cool that they're that they're bringing this back and they're really, you know, targeting the same kind of audience. They're not necessarily making it more mature. You know, sometimes we've seen some of these things from our childhood. They're making more mature to kind of a appeal to like where we are now yeah kind of like where we are now at our age and our stage of life um what do you guys think do you guys think that that's the the right move i say keep it consistent i i I am all aboard with this yeah same here you know it sounds like they have a new uh cast they've got new voices behind the characters which should be pretty interesting they've got a new writing group it's got a different showrunner so you know it seems like they're taking a completely fresh look uh and um yeah i'm okay with that i think uh, a fresh take on wacky weird postmodern cartoons like the powerpuff girls is generally a positive thing so we'll see yeah definitely and uh can you watch this stuff from where you are in sweden uh, so officially no, but I'm very good at the internet. <laughs> Fair <answer>. enough. <laughs> Fair I know enough. the only, the only uh, issue I think I've heard so far is a lot of people who are avid uh, listeners or watchers of the show, um, are not very happy with buttercup's voice saying it's almost too boyish at this point. And I think that's the only gripe that people are having with it. Cause so they've I, recasted all the voices. I, ne- I hadn't heard that. Um, but I thought that myself when I was watching a little, um, teaser clip um i I forgot where i was watching it It was somewhere on the internet right uh but that i thought the same thing man um i don't know it's not it's not necessarily gonna uh turn me off from wanting to watch the show make or break at this point you know but that's the only gripe i've I've heard about it so far and that's if that's the only detail that people are griping about then it's not a big deal yeah i say bring it on exactly let's watch it let's enjoy it let's accept it for what it is so next up, it was a really big deal um, on the interwebs that uh, we, we finally saw Spider-Man in the new Spider-Man. Captain America uh, Civil War trailer. Uh, what was your all's original thoughts, uh, reactions, if you will, to that? I'm going to let Eric go first on this one. Sure. Uh, so I loved it. I love Spider-Man. I cannot underscore that enough. I think Spider-Man is my absolute favorite uh, superhero. Uh, and really? I, I, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm, I'm also a staunch defender of the Sam Raimi, Sam Raimi, excuse me, Spider-Man films. I feel like Spider-Man 1 and 2 are arguably two of the greatest superhero films ever made. Not to Spider-Man cut in, but 3. you just gained so much respect level on my side. So. <laughs> I'm just, just saying. Same level on that. <laughs> Sam Raimi. Absolutely. They yeah. were the, the the first two Sam Raimi films were I mean and just a, and a portion of the third the, Sand, the Sandman portion of the third was great you can see where they cut and paste Venom into the third one totally and, and the, the third one was an okay popcorn movie uh, I you know I kind of got a slight kick out of emo Spider Man uh, but you know the first two were. Uh, Honestly, in my opinion, uh, two of the greatest action films ever made, two of the greatest, you know, they, they've got, they both got to be in the top 100 American films ever made. I love them. Um, and so I'm very excited by the direction they're taking. I wasn't a huge fan of, uh, uh, you know, uh, I forget his name, last name Garfield. What's his first name? Andrew. Luke guy. Andrew, yeah, exactly. They, yeah, the Andrew Garfield, uh, the uh, you know, kind of Amazing Spider-Man mm-hmm. series that Sony kind of kicked off before this new guy came on. I wasn't a huge fan of that, the, the direction they were going there. Um, but uh, I, you know, I love the return to the the bright, you know, red and blue suit. 
Um, and uh, I think injecting them into the market, the, the MCU is the right idea. So I loved it. I think it's going to be awesome. And I'll let Jojo talk. <laughs> <laughs> so my take is, again, I agree with you with the first two Spider-Mans and a portion of the third Spider-Man. I didn't like the reboots. I thought they were rebooted too soon personally. And for what a reason Sony loves to take a high schooler and throw him into the real world immediately. It doesn't allow them to grow you know, through high school and through like their early college years, or whatever, which Spider-Man is usually, he's younger than most everybody. And that's his, uh, his opinions can be a lot different than many of the guys that are in the civil war because he's got such a young attitude towards everything. Um, I do, I am excited to have, it is still owned by Sony, the IP, but it's going to be run by Disney's Marvel. So it's going to be done well. I just, it's one of those things, kind of like with me in the lightsabers and Star Wars, I don't think they should have shown it until the movie. Um, I felt like this was almost forced, especially being tacked on towards the end of a, a trailer, uh, just to kind of get people to watch the movie, but people are already going to watch the movie, in my, my kind of uh, sense. So you already knew he was going to be in the movie. They kind of threw it out there, and I, I feel like that's a surprise that could have waited till the actual film. See, I, I think that it was the perfect amount. I think it was it was just the fix that we as the, the geeks needed to, uh, first of all, believe, yeah, Spider-Man's in this movie. And um, also to point out the fact that his eyes move. Did you that, guys notice that? that? that I, I did like that fact of it. They, t- they could, took Love that. use from Deadpool. And yeah. so that way he can actually emote through the mask. Yes, that, that was huge for me. I, I heard that they were planning on doing that, but nothing was confirmed when I saw that. It literally like gave me goosebumps because I was like, there, because I mean, I don't know as much as Eric here, but isn't that staying true to uh, the comic adaptation of Spider-Man? His eyes do emote in the comics, don't they? Uh, yeah, generally, yes. Um, I think uh, there were some Todd McFarlane era Spider-Man comics where, you know, he like half of his face was just white. Um, somewhere to kind of spawn, right? Where he didn't necessarily emote all that much, but um, yeah, generally that's that's the case, and, and that's a staple through all of comics as well, right? I mean, Batman in the comics emotes right. his eyes as well. So yeah, and I'm, through the animated series it. and whatnot too. Yeah, yep, certainly. And so I, I think it's great. I can't wait to see more of of this. I I hope that they don't go overboard, kind of like what they did with the Force Awakens and un, unlock more and more trailers where we see more and more and more of Spider Man. Um, but another thing to mention is Black Panther was featured a lot more in this trailer. What were your all thoughts on that? I I am so excited. I love Black Panther. Um, I love the fact that they kind of name dropped. No, not not really name dropped. That they they. They called out to Wakanda, uh, his original tribe in Africa, in the second Avengers movie, uh, Age of Ultron. So they kind of set the precedence for him to be in this next movie. Uh, so they've, they've kind of, I, I love the, uh, again, the very cohesive, very organic approach to everything. Everything is included in every movie. So it's not, you know, cut and paste, kind of like Venom in this third Spider-Man movie. Everything's kind of built to that point. And so when you finally see uh, Black Panther on screen, it's like, yes, I want this. This is awesome. Yeah, it was really cool to see his fight scene, I think, against um, Winter Soldier, like little right. snippets of that fight scene. Yeah, right. Oh, I can't wait to see that in action. <laughs> that's going to that's be-, be awesome. And, and I'm curious because the, the Netflix series, so Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, Daredevil, um, you know, uh, that, that whole kind of series, those are also connected to the MCU, right? I'm, I'm wondering yep, yes. if, yeah, so I'm wondering if, uh, if there's going to be any sort of cross- uh, cross promotional or cross referential stuff happening outside of the occasional like Easter eggy mention of the movies. So I'm curious well, if, they, if they're going to, you know, is that they're building up to that. Is that, um, what is it? Thanos, the guy with the infinity gauntlet. Yep. 
um, that in that movie, they're going to have over 40 superheroes. So I think they're going to pull from the pool of both the shows and the movies to make a movie um, involving Thanos. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Daredevil and uh, what's the other dude with Spider-Man the fire? and Iron and Fist. Iron Fist, Iron Fist yeah. um, including Ant-Man, Spider-Man, all these new characters that are being introduced now. And uh, so and actually some context on that. My buddy, uh, shout out to Omar, a uh, guy I work with. He has been lending me um, the Infinity Gauntlet series of comics. I mean, these are like nice. the original comics from, I don't know, when, when was that written? Like 80s, 90s? Right. Um, so I've, he handed them to me. I, I've read the first two so far. It's fascinating. Um, but we were talking a little bit about it. Wolverine, I guess, is a, is a pretty big part of this. I wonder how they're going to get Wolverine into this whole mess. Well, see, that's, the problem is he's owned by Fox. And right. I don't know that they will bring Wolverine in because the, uh, and this is one of the issues with it, just kind of like where my big gripe with Ant-Man was, is that Hank Pym is as Ant-Man and they cut him out entirely and brought a new one, which they did a fantastic job. Don't get me wrong, but they changed the entire uh, comic universe to fit the Marvel movie cinematic universe. And just uh, to so, be clear, um, that was Eric Morales in that movie, not Paul Rudd. Right. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously. I, I don't, so he did a fantastic people, job. If people ever see a picture of Eric, he's basically Paul Rudd. <laughs> I, I think it's hilarious. Calm down. You're too kind. <laughs> one of my favorite actors then right now. So. <laughs> Thank you, Eric, for we're, a great performance. We're big fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know that they're going to bring him into this universe. Because, um, again, it took hell and high water for them to be able to pull uh, Spider-Man from Sony. And even then Sony still owns Spider-Man. So all the money they make out of it goes to Sony. I don't know that they'll be able to pull Wolverine away from Fox. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that because they do make a lot of mention to the X-Men in the comics as I'm reading it. So I'm like, uh, and, and she Hulk, what are they going to do about not bringing she Hulk into it? Right. Being sarcastic a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, part of me, and this is totally a conspiracy theory, but part of me feels like, uh, there's still a chance for them to loop in the the kind of the Fox-owned IP into this, and it's been a deal similar to the Sony deal, right? I mean, so, you know, Sony got to the table because, uh, for one, they realized that, okay, they own a tiny subset of the characters. It's mutually beneficial for us to work together with, uh, with Disney and Marvel to make something equally awesome, and the financial details are, you know, good for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. With Fox, uh, they were dealing with, they basically just own the X-Men, anything that touches the X-Men. Deadpool completely rewrote the entire financial case for that series. I mean, Deadpool, I don't know if you guys right. seen some of the graphs on, on Netflix, but the kind of the, the return on investment uh, on Deadpool, like purely from a, a, a per capita perspective, has been just unbelievably massive. So this is a goldmine for them. And, and if you guys saw Deadpool, that was littered with, you know, tongue-in-cheek references to the MCU throughout. Oh, I don't know. I mean, if you guys saw Deadpool, you saw there was reference to the MCU right there when they uh, on the last scene where they were fighting on one of the crashed drop ships. Right. Or, or the, the, what are they? No, the, the sky ships. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like the yeah, big. The tri-carrier. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, that's right there. That's from the MCU. It was like, so I, you know, I think that that's, I, I want to see Deadpool and the X-Men and like all these people make their way into the formal MCU. Um, I just hope uh, corporate politics don't come into play and uh, I guess 
It may or may not happen. I think it depends on... So, Joss Whedon is brilliant. Um, Fantastic Four is the is usually the, the group that ends up fighting the Skrull, or the Kree. Um, and, I mean, it also uh, bleeds into the Avengers and the X-Men a little bit as well. Um, but when they ended up the, uh, the first Avengers movie, and when he first showed Thanos, he goes, well, in a, uh, a different language, they called me the Chikari, which is another version of, I can't remember, I think it's the scroll. So they were able to find a way of referencing something that's in a Fantastic Four universe without actually copywriting it. That's uh, true. in trouble for copyright. So they might find a way around it. They've, they've done it so far just because of brilliant directors and brilliant writers. Um, I, I would like to see them try to make this work. I just don't know if they will with Fox. I know Fox already killed Fantastic Four to the ground, so I, I'm sure they will let that go because they can't really do anything with it right now. But I know they want to hold on to X Men, uh, like with, like I don't know, you know, hence <laughs> like potentially. That's and the whatnot. only thing they have left. Um, exactly. Yeah. And, and the other piece of it also is that Marvel and Disney uh, on the comics side, right? So kind of the canon underpinnings, uh, the, the comics side of the business, they've been slowly killing off the X-Men and the Fantastic Four for the last eight years. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's they, true. You know, they basically said, hey, if uh, you know, our money is now being made in movies, if we can't really negotiate here, then we're just going to slowly kill off the entire universe. Uh, and, and, you know, I think uh, at some point that might be you know, an effort to bring people to the table, but, but who knows? Uh, part of me, uh, I'm a giant X-Men fan, uh, particularly, you know, uh, I grew up in the early nineties. So, uh, that, that part of the, of, of my childhood is, is really closely attached to the X-Men. Definitely. So hopefully they figure something out, but we'll see. All this is making me want to do those is to get back into reading comic books. And, uh, I, I fully embrace it. I love it. Um, okay, on to the next. Uh, this is kind of a depressing topic, but not really, um, because the the Dosakis man, you know, the most interesting man in the world. You guys know him, right? Of course. Is on the topic of beer uh, and and general pop culture. It's worth uh, mention that he is retired. They're retiring that character, uh, and this has been it is marketing genius. He's become a meme. Um, one of the most recognizable commercials. And you immediately tie his face to Dos Equis. Right. Um, he's like 77 years old or something, but they're retiring say, him. But 10 years ago, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I think even longer than that. I thought it was, maybe it was. I, I, I've got an article here um, that, you know, I put all these articles in the show notes, folks. Um, so take a look at this. There's a video that you can watch um, about how he says goodbye. Uh, essentially, yeah, so 77-year-old. Um, Jonathan Goldsmith is his name, and uh, they they announced that he will be retiring from this uh, from this role, and they sent him off into space on a one way mission to Mars. Is kind of how they they left it off. But the commercial is hilarious. He's saying goodbye to all these foreign dignitaries um, and uh, different important political figures. You know, you don't know who these people actually are, but you can tell that they're of some kind of importance. And the crowd of people behind him is just huge, and it shows the uh, the tremendous impact that the, that this man has had in, on their lives. So I wanted to go back and ask you guys, what is your favorite, most interesting man in the world moment? <laughs> it's kind of hard. I mean, it's, it's kind of like um, Chuck Norris memes. You know, there's so many of them. You know, which one to recall? Right? I, I, I'm having trouble too. That's why I need Charles help because <laughs> there, there's one like. Even his enemies have him as an emerging contact or something like that. Or, <laughs> yeah. 
his beard is insured for X amount of dollars or is a transport, uh, as an, uh, what's that? He's an organ donor for his beard or something. I can't yeah. remember what it was, but I mean, so many great, great lines. You know, you know, it's funny is uh, whenever I see these commercials, uh, for some reason, it always reminds me, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mad Men. Uh, right? Yeah. Here and there. I've, I've watched it every once in a while. So, uh, you know, very, very quickly, uh, one of the main characters of Mad Men is a guy named Don Draper. He's played by John Hamm. Uh, and Don Draper is, uh, w- was kind of pushed up as this uh, incredibly kind of eloquent, super silky smooth, um, like ridiculously like handsome and powerful man who can suck the oxygen out of the room, right? right? That's kind of the persona that he builds. But the show goes to lengths over several seasons to, to humanize him and to break him down a little bit. And then you quickly realize like he's kind of a jerk, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, the most interesting man in the world takes that like, the 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 the, um, the the perfected alpha male epitome and turns it up to eleven and it never introduces any negativity at all like he is just the most interesting man in the world and he's amazingly awesome at everything that he does uh, and so you know I, I think that uh, that every single time I, I see his commercials it's a uh, um, I I absolutely love them it absolutely makes me want to just you know guzzle Dos Equis and I do as a result. <laughs> Uh, and I, I think my favorite, like, little bit of detail out of the last commercial is the guy's rocking a tuxedo into space. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. He always looks so sharp. And um, it, it's it, it's a brilliant marketing move. Um, now, one of the things, the yeah. original Star Trek series, the, the OG series, uh, he was one of the red shirts that actually survived. Wow. Really? Yeah. That actor? Guys, is, that, is that a real fact? That's a real fact. No, that's, that's real life. He was, uh, he was one of the extras. Obviously, he wasn't important and nobody knew about him, but he was one of the uh, retros that actually survived his episode. That right there is the best meme. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, and by the way, uh, shout out to Stacy. I, I saw Stacy, somebody that uh, I used to go to high school with um, over the weekend, and she mentioned that she loves the show and she needed us to talk about more Star Trek. So there you go, Stacy. More Star Trek, just for you. <laughs> Jojo you did it. The interesting man in the world. I haven't met Stacy yet, but the most interesting man in the world was the only surviving red shirt of a Star Trek series. He did not get killed. There you go. That is hilarious. I can't believe that hasn't already been a commercial. It's so appropriate. Oh my god, that's brilliant. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's like a copyright issue. They can't just like reference Star Trek, you know, in this past year, you know, Yeah. But, I know that they were writing about, you know, who they would introduce. And uh, one of the things they were throwing around was, well, maybe, you know, get somebody young, somebody fresh. But how can you be the most interesting man in the world if you're young? You know, you haven't established yourself as being the most interesting man in the world, you know? True. So I, I, I don't know how they can make it as a young person. Unless True. they just go a different direction altogether. And uh, I don't know. What, what nationality do you think he was portraying, by the way? Some kind of Cari- uh, Caribbean uh, nationality. So I cheated and read a lot of stuff about this. He's actually Jewish from New York. Oh, uh, yeah. But well. when he when he uh, practiced for this, when he auditioned for this, he brought in an Argentinian actor, and so he portrayed South America when he we did this. Oh, okay. Yeah, because right. he's got a little bit of like a like a like a Castilian lilt to it. I could totally see, you know, Ooh, some yeah, serious Argentinian guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I I loved it. All I can think of though is like. Either you, Eric, or JoJo could could take the place with the the glorious beards that you guys are able to <laughs> to grow. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. 
Yeah, you can work on it. You can. I need to work there. Yeah, you can work. And here with my mustache right now. <laughs> George has already got a little bit of gray happening in his. Beard, there we go. So. A lot of gray. Shoot. Yeah, that's all right. You're not that. By old the yet. way, I opened up a new beer. You're gonna love this brown ale. Really? Is it that good? Yeah, it's really good. I'm on to the lager now. I just finished the Pilsner, and I'm loving this lager. It's really good. <laughs> we're gonna. So we're gonna tr- trade beers. So I'll give you a couple. A couple uh, lagers or a lager and a, and a pilsner for for a couple, couple of brown ales. Yeah, definitely. Deal, deal. All right, let's get into our guest topic of the day. This is focused on our guest, uh, Eric Morales, who's here with us uh, from across the Atlantic Ocean. Eric, um, why don't you share a little bit about what has influenced you to kind of pursue this this gaming, um, uh, I guess, career? Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, really easy answer. Uh, I, I love video games. Uh, I've, I've been playing video games uh, literally all of my life. I was born in, in 1984 and that's the year the NES came out. Uh, and, you know, by the time I could hold the, the little square two button controller, I was doing it. So uh, I think uh, for me and, and certainly for every generation after that, video games have been like a critical part of uh, our cultural background and, and the way that we experience the world. And so uh, something that I was so passionate about and so appreciative uh, of uh, as I got older, uh, I, I realized this is what I wanted to do with my life as well, my professional life. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've, um, I've worked at a lot of different companies uh, up to now. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with Alex in the past as well. Um, you know, but now uh, as of uh, last year, uh, I, I run um, – uh, Amazon Web Services gaming business uh, for the Nordics. It's been a really cool experience, and, and uh, I've had a tremendous amount of fun working with some of the most amazing games companies uh, on the planet. And you know, Amazon, our parent company, Amazon.com, uh, is uh, obviously working in a lot of different facets of the gaming world. Um, you know, they they're obviously a giant retailer, and uh, they they make games. They bought. Uh, really fantastic studio, Double Helix, uh, you know, uh, a couple years ago. Um, Double Helix, for those who might not be aware, they're the guys that made the Strider uh, remake, uh, as oh, well wow. as nice. they're the guys that made um, uh, Killer Instinct on Xbox One. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so really, really fantastic studio. Uh, and, um, you know, Amazon uh, acquired them a little while ago, and, and, you know, they've been working on some pretty fantastic stuff ever since. Um, but in addition to that, right, I mean, they also uh, maintain their own app store for Kindle devices as well as for Android devices. Um, and so there's a kind of a mobile connection there as well. Uh, and AWS, which is the company I work for, uh, has, you know, more than 50 services that uh, games companies can actually utilize to launch games, to power games. Uh, we have... We recently, uh, Amazon Game Services, which is uh, kind of another organization um, uh, nearby, uh, launched uh, our own games engine uh, called Lumberyard. Really? Uh, which allows people to, yeah, uh, it's, it, and it's been really, really fantastic to see it, uh, you know, to see it launch in the last couple of months. Um, for those who aren't aware, a games engine is a series of software tools that allows you to actually build games. Uh, and there are a lot of really popular games engines out there. Uh, there are folks, uh, you know, there, there's, there's pieces of software like uh, Unreal Engine, uh, which is pretty ubiquitous. That's, uh, you know, that's powered games like uh, Gears of War, for example. Right. Among many others. Um, and then you've got uh, Unity, which is a very, very popular cross-platform game engine. 
um, and a great uh, Unity is also a great AWS customer, by the way. Um, cool. And uh, we've launched our, our own. Uh, well, Amazon.com uh, has launched its own games engine uh, with that lets people build brand new games, and it's totally free, and everybody should give it a try if they want to make games. So I can right now go to Amazon and and download this thing and play around with it and make my own game. Absolutely. So right now, uh, you could just just Google uh, Amazon Lumberyard. And you will be able to download the full source code of our games engine. And that'll allow you to uh, build, you know, uh, today, um, I, I believe the game engine supports PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Um, but they've announced uh, also that they're uh, launching support for uh, VR. So, you know, uh, platforms like um, Oculus and Vive and uh, Gear VR, among others. Uh, and in the future, they're also going to launch mobile support. Um, but it, it's pretty cool. And, and the tools, if, if you're a developer and you've been using uh, other engines, uh, specifically um, Crytek's uh, CryEngine, you'll find that the visual, visuals engine in uh, Lumberyard is um, very similar. We've actually taken a lot of the code from uh, the, the CryEngine code base. And, you know, we're certainly, uh, you know, the company's forking it in a different direction. Uh, so it's going to be its very own you know, its own distinct beast. Um, but uh, it's already an incredibly powerful tool for people. And it's totally free, right? So, uh, wow. you know, the company doesn't charge people um, for actually using it or downloading it. They don't They don't want to take, you know, if you actually build a game and release it, uh, Amazon doesn't take a percentage of your revenue. Uh, you can do whatever you'd like. Kind of the only uh, things to keep in mind are um, that uh, if you have a cloud component, it has to sit on top of Amazon Web Services or you have to host it locally yourself. But that's it. Everything else is totally free. That's so freaking cool. Yeah, so wow. I'm not going to be able to make next week's podcast because I'm going to be neck deep in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm on the website right now. We'll, we'll provide a link um, to Lumberyard uh, just so that folks can reference it. If it's something that you're interested in checking out, I highly encourage you to do so. Um, I'm looking at some of these. The visuals are stunning. Um, you know, I, I think that's a testament to the to the engine behind it, obviously. And, yeah, and, I love building worlds in StarCraft and Unreal yeah. Tournament and whatnot. And so the actual build a game, that'd be fantastic. That's yeah. so cool. Um, Eric, have you played around with it much? Uh, I haven't had a chance to play around with it too much, uh, to be honest. I don't have a development background. So yeah. uh, it's been, um, you know, the, the tool is is primarily designed for folks that have, uh, you know, some sort of a programming background. Over time, they're going to add... Um, you know, the tools to kind of make the learning curve uh, less steep over time. Okay, uh, but uh, this is a professional tool set, right? So it's yeah. not uh, it's not like a WYSIWYG engine. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, and so it sounds like Amazon is all in the gaming business, and and you know, I don't, uh, I sure. I hear about it because we're friends on Facebook, and I see some of the cool things that you post. But um. You know how how long has Amazon actually been in the the whole gaming uh, scene? Uh, well, you know, uh, Amazon has uh, been in business for a little over twenty years, and it started out selling books, and eventually moved into CDs and DVDs, and then video games and things that had kind of a similar size. And over time, uh, the company, uh, as it's branched out into other fields, has you know kind of came to the realization that content is super important. And if you look at the other Amazon companies sure. like Prime Video, and uh, you know even uh, platforms like Twitch, which Amazon acquired before, they quickly realized that. Um, the, the video games are the way that a massive subset of uh, consumers uh, 
uh, are experiencing popular culture, right? Yeah. You know, in the past it was television and movies. And now, uh, you know, from a pure market opportunity perspective, the games industry is significantly larger than the motion picture industry, number one. Uh, And then number two, uh, there were so many aspects of Amazon's uh, kind of go-to-market strategy, whether it's on the retail side or whether it's, you know, uh, the Twitch platform, which allows uh, gamers to stream their gameplay uh, to anybody live in the world. Right. And there's an ads platform that supports that uh, to AWS, which is allow, which allows people to, you know, to, to build multiplayer game servers in the cloud or uh, to to render 3D assets in the cloud and deliver them to end users. Um, you know, we there's a lot of aspects of, of Amazon's core business that touch on the games industry. And so it made a lot of sense over time for them uh, to uh, not only develop their own studio, but also, uh, you know, get into the business of publishing games. Uh, and also get into the business of delivering games to Android and Kindle devices, yeah. uh, which is what the Amazon App Store is about. So uh, they've been at this for a few years now, and it, you know the company's doubling down on it. If you know the fact that they're stepping into this into the the games industry with uh, their own games engine, which you know today the most popular commercially available game engines are uh, Unreal by Epic Games, Unity, uh, which we already talked about, uh, Cry uh, Cry Engine by Crytek. Uh, and then a lot of the bigger publishers like EA um, with their Frostbite engine uh, and, uh, and, and a, a bunch of the other kind of large-scale uh, publishing developers that developed their own, right? Um, Amazon right. Feel, felt like there was a, an entry in the market, you know, uh, an opportunity for them to step in and, and offer some expertise and make people's lives easier if they wanted to build new games. So. That's really fascinating, man. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that. And I mean, for, for the folks out there listening right now, kind of like me, who are like, man, how can I get into that industry? Like, you're somebody that kind of worked your way up to um, this position. What do you recommend to folks out there who are listening, who are very interested in uh, entering into the to the gaming market um, in some form or another and, uh, and making that reality? Sure. So, you know, I think for me, for a long time, um, I... You know, I, I played a lot of video games in my spare time, uh, and I was also uh, uh, kind of obsessed with entering the industry somehow, right? I thought, oh, there must be some sort of magical door that I can walk through, like Narnia, uh, that gets me into this industry somehow, right? And the challenge that I had was, uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not an engineer, so uh, I can't code, right? Uh, and um, I, uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I didn't, for a very long time, I didn't have subject matter expertise, but what I did have was a knowledge of what was popular in, in kind of the game space. I played a lot of video games myself and understood kind of what the core trends were. And I, for me personally, I was able to, uh, to kind of work through the business side, right? Because, you know, fundamentally the games industry is still, it's still a business and there really aren't that many differences between the games industry and let's say, you know, traditional software as a service companies or even traditional software companies. Sure. You know, fundamentally they're uh, building new products and they're trying to figure out innovative ways to get them to their consumers uh, and, and sell more of them. Right. Uh, and so uh, I was able to work through uh, the business side, but there were a lot of other angles, right? I know plenty of people who started out in quality assurance, for example, right? So literally right. game testers, 
trying to figure out uh, where people, where characters get stuck uh, and identifying bugs and, and helping the engineering team squash them. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, from, from just that segment of the market or, or that segment of the industry, you can then step into an engineering role because you learn to fix your own problems. Yeah, that's one key example. Another example is in the marketing space. So there are a lot of folks who uh, who start uh, working in the games industry by working as a community manager, and that's you know uh, helping um, you know helping customers from a support perspective, make sure that they're getting the right experience. This is particularly important in a world where uh, there are hundreds of millions of people playing mobile games that offer. Uh, in-app purchases, right? So there's a financial component to customer service, which is relatively new to the industry compared to, let's say, you know, 20 years ago when you bought a cartridge, you know, an NES cartridge from Sears or wherever it is you bought your video games back then. And uh, and that was it, right? I mean, that game was hard-coded onto a little piece of silicone that you shoved in your console, and that was it. If there was a bug in it, well, then you dealt with the bug. Right. right? It's gotten so much more dynamic now with uh, patches, and, yeah. you know, like I log on to my computer, play World of Warcraft, and there's constantly patches and stuff, uh, squashing bug it, bugs, uh, buggies, bugs, um, and, uh, you know, lots of, of different content kind of come into it. You don't, you don't see that back in the day. So it's definitely evolved. Um, yeah, for sure. A lot. Yeah, you know, when, when, when you think about it, right, um, w- one of the big concepts in the tech, in kind of the technology industry is this idea of sustained engineering. And that's where the expense in delivering a product really is. Right. So if you think about Windows, for example, right? Um, developing Windows is incredibly expensive, but supporting Windows and maintaining it and making sure it's secure and patched, that's where a lot of the cost comes in over time. And it's the same with a video game now, especially with all these online experiences. Uh, if, you, if you're playing a first-person shooter and uh, you want, you're playing multiplayer, uh, well, the game server needs to be able to detect that uh, the bullet being fired from one gun on one side of the map that enters the you know head of an avatar on the other side of the map, uh, if that breaks the physics of the game, well, then that tells you that you either have a glitch or a cheater. And that, and that cheater uh, or that glitch uh, can have you know a, a pretty big impact on the revenue of your company, right? If people don't feel like it's fair to play, then it's not fun anymore. It's not fun anymore to play. Uh, right. That affects your bottom line. Right. So there's a lot of different avenues to answer your original question. There's all these different avenues uh, from, um, you know, both from the kind of uh, customer stat side uh, to the marketing side, to the sales side of this equation, to the quality assurance side that are great kind of entry level roles into this games industry, into the games industry. Uh, and, and once you're in, it's really on the individual to figure out, uh, what it is they're interested in and, and to stay aggressive. Uh, it's super common for folks uh, to bounce around between games companies, certainly here in the Nordics, for example. Um, you know, Marcus, uh, uh, Marcus Persons or Notch, right? So the guy who founded Mojang and, and created Minecraft, he, he formerly works for Kate, the guys who made Candy Crush. Wow. Yeah. And they were bought for a few billion from Activision Blizzard. That's right. Like a yeah, ton 5. of money. 5.9. Yep. Crazy. So uh, there's a lot of movement in this industry, and, uh, and, and it's seen as a positive, right? Uh, having exposure to different lines of business, to different types of games, to different genres, that's, that's super powerful. That's fascinating, man. Thanks so much for the insight. Um, you know, f- folks, if you're um, you know, interested in learning uh, more about this stuff, again, I'm going to have uh, the Lumberyard uh, URL uh, in the uh, show notes. So take a look at this um, awesome engine that Eric mentioned. 
And, uh, you know, if, if this career is something, uh, that you're interested in exploring, I hope that you found this sort of talk helpful. Uh, I know that I, I talk to a lot of folks, um, because we have common interests and they're always like, Oh, I would love to do something in video games. And so it's always interesting to get people's perspective from, uh, within the industry. So thank you so much, Eric. No worries, man. And actually, the last thing I'll, I'll mention there is um, that oftentimes uh, the games industry is a great way to kick off new and exciting ideas as well. So are you guys familiar with Slack, for example? Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So Slack, uh, the, the company that founded Slack, TinyBits, was actually originally a games company, right? So they, they had launched a, a, a game for iOS that failed. Uh, and they were able to take a step back and realize, okay, well, you know, maybe this, maybe this game wasn't super successful, but um, this communications app that we developed on the side, well, maybe we could commercialize that. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, that Slack app uh, became uh, a massive success. They've raised uh, a lot of money. I think their valuation is north of $3 billion. And, oh, wow. Uh, they're they're pushing a, yeah. So uh, just a, a massive success. And that's a good example of, the games industry touching not just video games and not just technology in general, but really all facets of, of the life that we live, right? Slack is not a video game. It's a communications app, uh, but it came out of a games company. So it's a very, very cool space and there's a ton of opportunity for people. Yeah, that's fascinating, man. Thanks so much for, for sharing that insight. Um, so again, uh, Amazon Lumberyard, uh, I'll post a, a link to this in the, um, in the show notes and uh, take a look at it folks. And um, definitely, you know, go chase your dreams guys. It's out there. If you want to go do this sort of work, Eric worked his way from the bottom to the top. From the Now he's here. Yeah. Now he's here. <laughs> now the whole clicks effing here. All right. <laughs> I think that, I think that right there is um, a time to wrap up the show. And as we wrap up the show, I want to give a quick shout out again. We, we encourage you guys to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, shout out to, um, the last three folks to leave us a, a five-star rating. So far, we have 35 five-star ratings on iTunes. What? Um, yeah, JMU Dude 82. Um, it's Poirier and Anna Kuna. Uh, thank you guys so much for your latest five-star reviews. Um, keep them coming. Uh, you know, Feel free to leave a five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. Um, and with that in mind, JoJo, where can people reach us? Well, as always, we do have an email address. You can get us at geek30podcast at gmail.com. And 30 is spelled out, geek30podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you're old school like me and have a rotary phone. You can pick up the phone, call 443-424-3350. Leave us a voicemail. We're on Twitter at Geek30 or on Facebook, Geek30 Happy Hour. Awesome. And, um, you know, let's also, before we actually wrap things up, I wanted to, uh, quickly get into a couple of emails. Um, let's quickly go to an email from Don who was on the show. Don, the Diddy? Yeah, that, that Don. Um, so Diddy left us an email. He says, uh, Alex and Jojo, one of the best shows I've ever watched is a British sci-fi drama called Black Mirror. It's different, thoughtful, and introspective, and I found it unbelievably riveting. There are only two seasons of three episodes each and a Christmas special, but there is talk that Netflix is going to pick it up for a new season. The current episodes are available on Netflix. Um, so I'm going to check that out. Diddy, thank you so much for, for the, uh, the shout-out. Um, he also leaves a PS. He says... I can see a lot of troll behavior coming from the front with No Man's Sky. 
there will be whole worlds with every plant, mineral, and animal named um, some derivative of penis. <laughs> that's very true that's for our last episode if you guys didn't check it out we had a great conversation with ori from dragon fruit um who is uh who has his own um it's a it's a geek dating app i recommend you guys check it out so black mirror is pretty solid because i'm pulling up on the internet right now and imdb is getting it 8.8 out of 10 9 out of 10 on tv.com and 94 percent are on tomatoes Sweet, sweet, y'all. Yeah, I, I just to chime in here. I am a huge Black Mirror fan. Um, it is. I can wholeheartedly recommend it. The if you guys haven't seen it yet, it's basically um, a modern version of a much darker version of uh, the Twilight Zone. Um, so there's a, a very aggressive uh, twist in every episode, um, and there's no kind of consistent narrative between the episodes. Each one is super self-contained, and even sometimes takes place in a different universe or a different timeline or a different time of the you know different date. Um, but all of them center around uh, technology and something involving technology going horribly wrong. Too cool. Uh, so. Very, very cool. Highly recommend it. Um, you should check so it out. I got some homework to do. Heck yeah, me too. And then we had a, a, another email uh, came in from Nate from PA. He says, hey guys, would love to hear your take on the Jar Jar Binks is, a, is actually a Sith Lord theory. Gotta admit, I'm rooting for anything that would help me change my perception that he's only just an annoying Muppet sidekick trying to get a cheap laps from kids. Uh, thanks from Nate from PA. Thank you for, uh, for sending uh, an email, Nate. Um, Nate uh, provided a link to the YouTube video. Um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of get uh, the the audience's reaction from this actually, and then uh, maybe we could talk about it on the next show. Um, Jojo, have you had a chance to to look up this theory? Did you ever did you ever look at anything like that? Well, I haven't seen the YouTube video yet, but I have seen a lot of evidence on the internet, written stuff um, and whatnot, and I. <laughs> Like a lot of it to me actually makes sense. Um, and I think the problem was it was such a, <laughs> such a bad character. I mean, the reason why, <laughs> the reason why the machete uh, version exists is to cut out Jar Jar Binks as much as possible. Right. Yep. Um, but so, if, if they had developed it correctly, I think it could have been really awesome. But yeah, they kind of, sort of the way they did Venom and Spider-Man 3, they cut and pasted Count Dooku into there. You know, they never, never really explained Cypher yeah. Diaz, you know, the guy who um, commissioned the clone army. So they, there's a lot of like holes that they never patched. And so it kind of actually makes sense. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, I mean, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I've heard about this theory and, and I'm wanting to post this in the show notes um, for the audience to listen to. I would love to get the audience's reaction to this video and chime in. And then maybe we could talk about it at the beginning of the next show um, in a little bit more detail. Uh, but I will post this again in the show notes. Thank you, Nate, for for providing this video. We'll do our homework and watch this and uh, and give you some feedback. That so, and Black Mirror. That and Black Mirror. So Dom will let you know about that. Um, so guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, if you'd love to chime in, um, like what JoJo said, feel free to email us, geek30podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also leave us a voicemail, 443-424-3350, um, or hit us up on Twitter, at Geek30. We've been uh, getting a lot of great comments and stuff on Twitter, so we appreciate that. Uh, again, leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And uh, until next time, guys, uh, we will see you later. Mojo Jojo signing out. <laughs> Eric, you want to say bye? 
Yep. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for having me. All right. See ya.